Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to Episode 7 of Collecting Dead Man. I want to thank you all for joining me again this week. Uh, if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so. And please leave a 5-star review. Uh, follow me on Instagram, at Collecting Dead Man. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Collect Up Dead. And follow my collection catalog at collectingdeadman.blogspot.com. Uh, there you will see all my updates of my collection. I'm trying to get everything cataloged in there. Every few days I uh, do a couple of new posts on my blog. Uh, you get to see all the stuff that I'm finding in my uh, tubs and going through past orders and stuff that I have picked up. So yeah, it's fun. Uh, to go through all those stuff and finding all the stuff I have. I hope you guys enjoy it. And um, this week I also started up a Patreon page. So you can follow me at patreon.com slash collectingdeadman. I have three tiers up there that you can choose from. Ranging from $10 all the way to $20. You'll get exclusive perks. Uh, merchandise and all kinds of different things with each tier so if that's something you want to do to help support the podcast I would greatly appreciate it and you can also support the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash collecting dead man slash support any way you want to support this podcast whether it's by leaving a five-star review by subscribing by supporting me through Patreon or any other way, it's greatly appreciated. I'm just glad to have you all here listening to me every week and also listening to some special guests I bring on every few weeks as well. So let's jump right in to Tales from the Grave. Where we'll be talking about favorite Undertaker memories, that figure history of that era of Undertaker, and some news along the way. So I figured that I wanted to talk about um, my memories of Undertaker and Kane's feud with the two-man power trip. And the reason why I chose this is because yesterday, for no reason at all, I put on Backlash 2001. Now that's the pay-per-view 20 years ago that uh, took place a couple weeks after WrestleMania 17. It took place about a week or so after Undertaker and Kane won the tag team titles from Edge and Christian. And it was uh, Austin and Triple H defending against Undertaker and Kane the championships. The WWF title and the Intercontinental title on Austin and Triple H's side and the tag team titles on the Brothers of Destruction side. Now it was all, all the gold was on the line and um, what was fun about this pay-per-view is it also took place at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, a um, place that's near and dear to my heart. It's a place where I have done flea markets with my dad. It is uh, places I have gone to house shows at. Uh, it's the arena that held WrestleMania 22. So yeah, Rosemont holds a uh, special place in my heart, and it was fun to rewatch that pay-per-view, and it just got me thinking about um, Undertaker's feud with Austin and Triple H during this time. I know that it gets cut short 
because of Triple H's injury that happens about a month later. Uh, but yeah, it's just really cool to look back at this time period and see that the tables have been turned. Instead of Undertaker as the heel, you have Austin as the heel and Undertaker is now the babyface. And Austin is now aligned with Vince uh, instead of Undertaker being aligned with Vince. So I really don't care much for Austin as a heel, but I like that this point in time it mirrors what they were doing in 1998-99. Austin has now taken over Undertaker's position as a heel with Vince, and Undertaker is now fighting against Austin being the top babyface, uh, getting the bigger crowd reactions, and now that uh, he's the one aligning himself against the authority instead of being a part of it. So yeah, it's it's the two-man power trip is very um, divisive, I would say. Uh, it's a great match at Backlash. Unfortunately, Undertaker and Kane don't win. I would have loved it if Undertaker would have won the championship or even the Intercontinental Championship. He would have been a Grand Slam champion. I know that uh, he would have had the opportunity to win the Intercontinental Championship back in 96. But winning it here from Triple H would have been great. Would have served the storyline uh, wonderfully, I think, in my opinion. Or even he could have beaten Austin for the chi uh, championship and had another run there. But uh, they don't win, you know. Typical attitude era, uh, funny business going on with the referees getting knocked out and Vince interfering. But, you know... Um, you take it as it is. It's a pretty good match. Um, I know that Undertaker fights Austin again in the next month at uh, Judgment Day. I know he fights on, uh, Triple H and Austin at uh, Insurrection. So Undertaker picks up the win against Triple H at Insurrection. But of course, I know they had that little caveat that he had to pin Stone Cold to win the championship. But he pins Triple H, so Stone Cold keeps the title. And Triple H loses the Intercontinental Championship to Kane at Judgment Day. But Undertaker gets screwed out of beating Austin for the title because Triple H interferes. So, you know, it's a typ typical thing around the Attitude Era. Undertaker always got screwed out of championships or one way or another didn't get his hands on the right person. So, but uh, one funny thing in this era, I remember Undertaker throwing Austin through a glass uh, window backstage, and which led to Austin being loaded up in an uh, ambulance, uh, and then Undertaker turned out to be the driver of the ambulance, and Triple H ran out of there, and then Austin screaming at him on the gurney, and Undertaker's just beating up on Austin, and he pushes Vince around. I always remember that scene, so that's a funny scene to look back at during this time. So yeah, that just that just popped into my memory bank for this week, the feud with the two-man power trip. And of course, the figure history uh, around this time is it was Jack's Titantrons. So you had a lot of American Badass Undertaker versions in the Jack's Titantron live series, but a few that come to mind is Rebellion, Sunday Night Heat series, and specifically Series 2 and 3. I know Series 2 has him 
with the WWF 2000 tire, him with his uh, singlet and black jeans. And Series 3 has a Dead Man Inc. rubber shirt uh, and his black jeans and a ball cap. Those two are really cool figures. Uh, Titan Tron Live Series 12 actually has a variant. You can get him with the Smoking Skull Championship or Austin's Vest as accessories. And that is a um, little thing like I remember in SmackDown, Undertaker took control of Austin's locker room. And Deborah tried to get him out of there. Vince tried to get him out of there. Stephanie, all these people tried to get him out of there. And eventually Undertaker wore Steve Austin's vest to the ring and he had the Smoking Skull Championship with him. And that's how he tried to get Austin to the ring so that... Uh, you know, he can get a, a match in, maybe go for the title or something like that. So it's pretty cool that in this series, Titan Tron Life Series 12, they have two versions. You know, you can either get the vest or the championship. And it's a little, little harken back to this little segment on SmackDown, which also goes into this two-man power trip feud and everything like that. So that's pretty cool. And more recently... Mattel released a um, WrestleMania 33 Heritage basic figure that is based off his WrestleMania 17 look. And his WrestleMania 17 look is, you know, just a few weeks short, uh, shy of the feud with the two man power trip. So it all fits into that timeline. And uh, all great figures, you know, I have soft spot in my heart for the Titan Tron lives because. That was part of the figures I was collecting when I was growing up. Stuff I uh, played with as a kid. So of course, I think even they hold up to this day. I know a lot of people don't like the Titan Tron Live figures. I like them. I like some of their head scans. Especially when they got into this real scan technology. I think they're really great. They're uh, so nostalgic. Uh, especially for me. So uh, if you're looking to pick up an Undertaker figure for this time time period... Uh, I would say uh, maybe go for the Titan Tron Life Series 12 because you have a little more accessories to choose from. But either one is a uh, good choice. And so a figure hunting memory I have of this is actually finding the uh, Rebellion series and so many things at KB Toys. There used to be a KB Toys at uh, Stratford Square Mall which is in Bloomingdale, Illinois. I know there was also a KB at Woodfield Mall, which is in Schaumburg, Illinois, where I grew up in. And both these KBs were always stocked with wrestling figures. I always had so much fun figure hunting with my parents, especially after school. And I always remember um, going there. The pegs were always filled with the jacks. Titan Tron Live series. I remember picking up the Rebellion series there. I remember picking up the Titan Tron Live uh, series uh, 12 there I, and the 13 with the signature on the leg. I remember picking up the Hardcore Action Ring and so many things like that during this time period. I remember, uh, I think the Famous Scene series 1 came around this time period too with the Ministry. Undertaker and McFoley, you know, showing the um, Hell in the Cell match. And a couple months later, they would release the famous scenes with Undertaker and Austin uh, with Judgment Day 2001. And the reason why I didn't pick that as one of the figures is because 
Undertaker is... He doesn't have his tattoos on his arms. The arms aren't articulated. And there really isn't any accessories in that pack. There's no championships. There's no baseball caps. There's no vests. It's just plain two-pack. So it's something like uh, they really cheaped out on that two-pack. I think that's one of the last famous scenes sets. So, yeah, I remember finding it at KB. I think I picked that up. Because, you know, back then, I, I uh, like I am now, I'm picking up everything Taker. So, uh, of course, I would pick up something that uh, had him in the series. But, yeah, I, I remember KB Figure Hunts. I miss, I miss that toy store probably more than I do Toys R Us. Because there were so many chances to find something you wanted and find something you needed. Because I always remember they were always stocked. They had these... Uh, cute little aisles you would go into and you would feel especially as a kid you have all these aisles stocked with wrestling figures you you know it's sensory overload you have so many things to look at you feel like it's christmas and you can you know you can pick anything you want and stuff like that so um i always have good memories of kb i know plenty of my listeners do as well and i would hope if any toy store comes back eventually it would be KB Toys. I think that um, just the way that they designed their stores was so fun for kids, and it's something I'm still remembering all these years later. And now, the uh, thing I was most looking forward to talking about this week is in our Undertaker news section of Tales from the Grave, and that is discussing the newest episode of WWE's Most Wanted Treasures. Now this premiered Sunday on A&E at 10 o'clock Eastern Time after the uh, Legends Biography series. This week uh, they profiled Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, the thing I was most looking forward to was the Most Wanted Treasures episode and it did not disappoint at all. They focused on Kane, Paul Bearer, and The Undertaker and I was just totally amazed by so much stuff that they were able to acquire and find during this episode. Uh, they started off by Triple H and Stephanie talking with Undertaker, telling him what they're looking for, um, you know, cracking a few jokes with him. Yeah, you know, I can't say the jokes that well over this podcast. It has something you guys have to see. Uh, their timing is perfect as always. Uh, but yeah, Undertaker starts off at this journey. He goes to Knoxville, Tennessee to meet up with Kane. Um, Mayor Kane takes him to his house in his attic. And they end up finding his original uh, Unibom outfit that he wore at Smoky Mountain uh, Wrestling. They end up finding one of the original Kane masks. And it's so cool as Kane's looking through all these bins of his stuff. You know, you see his bone-crunching buddy. You see a stuffed uh, bear of Kane. You see classic superstars. It's so cool to see that Kane has figures of him. That he has collections of the things that they have made of him. Uh, if only I can get Kane on this show too. That'd be so cool. But it's uh, amazing to see all the stuff he has. And uh, they were hoping it was going to be the debut mask, 
but unfortunately it turned out to be the second mask he wore um, but still that's really cool to find and it was in his attic of all places and they ended up getting that for a $10,000 donation to the Knoxville Children's uh, Hospital so that's very sweet uh, and then from there um, they go with Undertaker back to Texas they start off in Houston and they go through the um, Museum of uh, Mortuary uh, Medicine and Funeral History Museum and that's where they find the betrayal urn that Paul Bearer used against Undertaker at the uh, famous Boiler Room Brawl at SummerSlam 1996. That's the urn that Paul Bearer used to hit Undertaker over the head and align himself now with mankind. And it turned out that Paul Bearer gave this urn to the uh, the guy who runs the museum because uh, the guy just wrote him a letter one day saying how much he's a big fan of him because Paul Bearer still kept his license of uh, funeral morticians current. So the guy found his address and he started a conversation with each other and Paul Bearer ended up coming there and donating the urn to the museum. And it's so cool, they have the urn on display with a little uh, figure of Paul Bearer and trading cards and a nice picture of him with the Undertaker. And you can tell how emotional this guy is with the urn because he had such a good friendship with Paul and it meant so much to him. And Undertaker knew this and Undertaker was able to uh, have WWE give them a more current urn the last one that Paul used at his run in 2010-2011 and one of Paul Bearer's suits that he wore on television and uh, this was great for the guy and great for the museum so they gave Undertaker the urn in exchange for these items and um, you can you tell how uh, not only emotionally attached this guy was but also Undertaker was to this urn as well because that urn was the link between Undertaker, Paul Bearer, Mankind, and eventually Kane. So you can see how much history is all in that urn. And then from there, they went to like the best part of the show. They went to Undertaker's storage unit. And he has so much stuff in there, in boxes, in tubs. And he put, they pull out his original Phantom Mask. They pull out his original Purple Gear. They pull out the original hat he wore around 1991 and 1992. He has so much of his gear in these tubs because if he doesn't give it to Vince to keep in the archives, it's something he keeps himself. He never sells his, his gear because he keeps it, uh, uh, tries to keep it to the Undertaker character so it doesn't get into the wrong hands uh, of other people. And that's like so honorable of his character to think that, that he doesn't sell any of his stuff. If he doesn't want it, he gives it already to Vince for the archives. And so he, uh, he donated his phantom mask, his uh, purple uh, gloves, his purple tie, his purple leg garters, and his purple duster. That it was all worn uh, when he debuted it at SummerSlam 1994. And it's so cool to think that he has all this stuff in his storage unit. And when they were going through that, he, you, he pulled out stacks of magazines, 
I uh, I remember Michelle McCool on her Instagram posted uh, a couple months ago when they were filming this all the stuff that they were finding. They found his original black gloves. They found original Hasbro figures still in the package, series four and eight. They found yo-yos. They found trading cards, uh, board games, all the things that his likeness is in on the stuff he has it all he kept it and uh if and like i said earlier it'd be great to have kane on here it'd be great to have undertaker on here too to talk about all this stuff that he has you know i can only imagine the um the memories and the attachments he has when the stuff was given it given to him uh it's just so cool to think that he never got rid of it he still kept it in a storage locker you know protected and all this stuff so I recommend checking Michelle's Instagram for some awesome bonus photos of what else they uh, found in that storage locker. I think she posted it around October. And it's just a great episode. I hope everybody listening checks it out. It's uh, The Mick Foley episode was good. This one is so much better because it deals with Undertaker, Kane, and all that. Um, I'm looking forward to the episodes as they progress. Hopefully they have another Undertaker episode and find more things uh, in his uh, either in his storage unit or in other people's collections because it was really fun to watch and it's just really cool to think of they just scratched the surface of everything he has and uh, it's just amazing I think it's just sitting there in Austin Texas there so yeah that is it for tales from the grave for this week and now usually we will go into Digging Up Dead Man where I would talk about my weekly purchases. But unfortunately there is none for this week. The mailman, the UPS guy, eBay did not come through yet this week. Mail's running a bit slow. I know a lot of you are feeling the same thing. I hear people complaining all the time about the packages being delayed or lost. So unfortunately this backlog has affected this podcast. The no weekly purchases have come through this week. So hopefully next week I have plenty of things to talk about. So from there we shall move on to Taker's Mark where I will look at my favorite Undertaker match of the week and my favorite figures depicting that match. And I was on Facebook earlier today and I saw that it is the 23rd year anniversary of the first ever Inferno match this week taking place at Unforgiven in your house 1998 The Undertaker battled Kane a few weeks after Wrestlemania 14 in the first ever Inferno match and I thought that was great timing to talk about this match it is one of my favorite matches that Undertaker uh, has against Kane. It is one of my favorite matches that Undertaker has during this time period as well. I think the visuals are amazing. I think especially his jump over the top rope with the flames shooting up um, underneath him uh, and also the end scene when he goes back into the ring and does his Shakespeare pose with the purple lighting and the flames in the background is also iconic images from this match but you have great moments like Undertaker beating up Paul Bearer at the um, band's uh, stage 
with all the instruments. You have Undertaker and Kane battling in the ring with the flames shooting up after every move. I know this match was very uncomfortable for both men, especially Kane, since he had that mask on him the whole time. But it's they should be very proud of this match. I uh, it's one of my it was one of my dad's favorite matches of the Undertaker. It's definitely one of mine. Um, it's always one of the first matches I show people when I get them uh, introduced to the Undertaker because you, he has all his iconic moves in there and he has the backdrop of the flames that just grabs people's attention. I think it's a um, very underrated match. I think also the rematch a year later on Raw is underrated because they try to pull off that same magic. And um, I always like Inferno matches, I, uh, especially the one on Raw when he burns the teddy bear in front of Vince. That's another iconic image from this era. But this match, um, definitely one I want to talk about today, uh, not only for the anniversary, but also because it is uh, a great match to rewatch. Uh, the whole pay-per-view, if I can remember correctly, is not that bad. I know this is the highlight of the pay-per-view. I know also during the Austin Dude Love match, Austin hits Vince with the chair at the end, so that's also another great highlight. Um, but yeah, I re- highly recommend re-watching this match. It is definitely one of my favorites. And um, my favorite figures depicting this match, well, I have two ways to go about this. My favorite Undertaker and Kane separately is Superstar Series 7 Undertaker and Fully Loaded Kane. And those, of course, were released under the Jack's Bone Crunching Superstars line. Uh, Kane is wearing his two sleeves in this Fully Loaded series. And Undertaker is in his 1998 gear that he wore during this match. I remember recreating uh, this match like in... 1999 uh, with these figures in my fig fed I would I drew little red flames on paper and put them around my monster ring and try to have a little inferno match with these um, those these two uh, really are good at depicting this match and also my other way of going about this is my favorite uh, set that depicts it is bad blood you know, you've heard me talk about the Bad Blood box set on here before. It is one of my favorite box sets of the Jax era. And you get a Undertaker that is based off the Unforgiven pay-per-view. He's got the cross on his hand. He's got his rolled back eyes. And he's got the uh, gear similar to what he wore during this match. You've got Paul Bearer. As he appeared on with Kane in this match, the no makeup, the blonde hair. You've also got Kane in the set, and you've got Stone Cold, which you can use anytime in your Attitude Era fig fed, or he's just good on display with these figures. So, if looking to get these figures separately, I would recommend Superstar Series Seven Undertaker and Fully Loaded Kane. Or if you want to get into one big box set, definitely go about getting the Bad Blood box set. It is one of my, it's a great box set. Um, I was lucky enough to find it for a great price in mint condition. I'm glad to add that to my collection. Um, But those figures um, depict this match very well. And 
we go on to the final segment of our episode one of my favorite segments of um, of the day we go to buried alive where we take a uh, undertaker item and just think what the heck were they thinking when they made this and even though I will probably need this in my collection sooner or later we take it and we bury it alive and this week we'll be talking about the WWF Aqua Blaster Water Defense Shield Undertaker Super Soaker Water Gun. Now, um, I know that this has a Stone Cold Steve Austin counterpart. This goes into the um, section of WWF slapping their logo on everything during the Attitude Era. Um, I know that they also had a slip and slide with the Super Soaker. I think they had water sprinklers. They had uh, bop bags in this line. It's just something, you know, they slapped a logo on anything and everything during this time. And, you know, this one is just, you know, it's, it's a Super Soaker shield, basically. You're defending yourself with Austin or Undertaker. And you're trying to shoot the, the opposite superstar. It's just a purple shield with an Undertaker sticker sheet applied to it. It's got him with his arms crossed against a silver screen. And in front of him is the WWF logo. And um, yeah, that's basically it. You're defending yourself against Austin uh, with the Undertaker shield. And I don't know how well this would go up against the water because it looks just to be like a plain old sticker sheet. I don't know. I don't know if it's, don't think it's laminated, but it's just something that, you know, it's probably not good after a few uses of it because the thing will probably get uh, drenched in water and then start peeling off. But yeah, Aqua Defense Shield Super Soaker Water Gun. Undertaker Aqua Blaster. And even though we unfortunately have to bury it alive this week, I probably will end up picking it up if I find it for a great price eventually. As I am um, looking to, you know, complete my collection of Undertaker figures, but also Undertaker merchandise in general. I know I probably won't get all his merchandise because either it's a too expensive or too rare. Uh, but yeah, I think this is something that would definitely look cool in a collection. Um, you know, you can do like other oddities around it. So even though we have to bury it alive this weekend, unfortunately, it will probably find its way into my collection one of these days. So, Creatures of the Night, that is it for Episode 7 of Collecting Dead Man. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please uh, subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a five-star review. I uh, hope to uh, gain new followers on Twitter at CollectUpDead, at Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Follow as I catalog my collection at CollectingDeadMan.blogspot.com. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon member, my Patreon is uh, at Collecting Dead Man. There are three tiers for you to choose from. 
If you wish to support this podcast uh, in another way, you can go to anchor.fm slash collectingdeadman slash support. And if uh, you want to message me and want to be on this podcast, my uh, social media DMs are always open. And I hope you will keep uh, with me on this journey through Death Valley as we keep rolling along and trying to collect all the Undertaker merchandise we possibly can. And you can hear me talk about it here every week here on Collecting Dead Man. Peace out, creatures of the night.